0: David's going to come and bring us our reading now. If you announce the
1: page. Uh, The reading is taken from Ruth, chapter 1, on page 267 of our Bibles, if you'd like to follow along. 267, chapter 1. Naomi and Ruth. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Emelik. His wife's name, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephra- Ephraites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now Emelik, Naomi's husband, died and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpha and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughter-in-law, prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you We'll find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back to you and to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come to, come with me? I am, going to ha- I am going to have any more sons? Am I going to have any more sons? Who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. At this they wept again, then Orpha kissed her mother in law. Goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you to turn back from you. Where you will go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabitess. Her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem, as the barley harvest was beginning. And ends the the reading.
0: Thank you, David. Thank you very much. It was such a long one. Um, Let me just put this back here. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, whether we are playing, coloring, watching, or listening this morning, we pray that we learn more of your steadfast love for us, and that we may be encouraged and strengthened through hearing your word. Amen. Amen. So, um, there seems to have been quite a a plethora of superhero films in recent years, and uh, because I've got a teenage son, I've ended up watching quite a few of them. But I have to say my favorite has been, well, so far, has been Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, I don't know whether you've seen that one. It's it's about the young Spider-Man. It's his backstory, and it, it tells us we see the the young Peter Parker, aka Spider-Man, as a teenager. And of course, he's just desperate, desperate to prove himself as a superhero. You know, he can't wait to uh, get in his costume and get out there and save the world. And uh, and the agency sort of saying, No, no, you're not quite ready yet. You're not ready yet. You still got your learner plates. You can't do it. But, spoiler alert, he proves them wrong, of course. Now, the difference between these fictional superheroes and the real people that we read about in the Bible is that the real people generally don't want to be a hero, or a shiro, as we're talking about today. They're, they're kind of reluctant. That, that's, they're no desire to go out there and prove themselves. But what they do have in common is is a love and a faith in a righteous and compassionate God, a God who cares for his people, and they look to that God. And he's a God who's given us free will. We can choose to do what we like, but he invites us to make, to follow his call. He invites us in. And sometimes this faith of these sheroes these and heroes is a broken and fragile faith, But nevertheless, it's the faith in the goodness, the love and faithfulness of our creator God. So the book of Ruth, as we've heard, uh, centers on two women. One is uh, Naomi, the mother-in-law, and the other one is Ruth, her daughter-in-law. And um, it's set in the time of the judges. Now, I don't know if you know anything about the the book of Judges, um, but... The very last line of that book states, in those days Israel had no king, everyone did as they saw fit. That's Judges 21, verse 25. So many of the Israelites had, again, they'd sort of turned their back on God. Um, they'd mucked in with their neighbors and started following all sorts of deities, pagan gods, um, And if you read towards the end of Judges, there are some brutal stories in there, Um, stories of uh, attack and revenge, some really hard stuff to read. And um, these are really, really dark times. And into the midst of this time comes this book of Ruth, and it is like a thing of beauty dropped in to the middle of this. and. it's, it's refreshing and encouraging and it's like an oasis in the midst of the, the thundering accounts of strife from ancient times. And maybe we need to revisit this Book of Ruth a little bit more. So we heard at the beginning of the story that there's a famine in Bethlehem. So Elimelech takes his wife Naomi and two sons and goes across the Jordan Valley into Moabite land, which is actually hostile territory. So I'm not quite sure why he chooses to go there, but obviously they had food. And the family settles there, and they live there for about 10 years. And in that time, his sons marry local pagan women. And then, just in the beginning of the chapter, there, we hear 10 years later, Elimelech dies, and his two sons die. And it's said really briefly, but I mean, this is absolutely tragic. Um, poor Naomi is left there. No, you know, her husband's died, her sons have died, and the worst thing, if you're a widow, you've got no one to take care of you. You're reliant on your extended family. You need, you know, you need support from someone else. And so her only choice, really, is to go back to Bethlehem and beg that someone will look after her. And so Naomi and her daughter-in-law prepare to leave, and they start the journey back to Bethlehem. And then as they've started along the road, Ru- uh, Naomi suddenly changes her mind and says, um, well, you, you guys don't need to accompany me. You'll be much safer where you are. She says to her daughter's-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's home and praise this short prayer for them. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and me. Right, I'm going to hit pause on the story there for a second um, to look at this word kindness. So it's translated, so I've got a bit of a Hebrew lesson going on today as well, you'll be pleased to know. So it's translated from the Hebrew word hesed, and our rather sweet word of kindness doesn't really do it justice. Kindness, that's very nice, very kind. Um, What it actually translates as is steadfast love and faithfulness. That's quite a lot in one word, isn't it? As one writer puts it, it's a word which combines the warmth of God's fellowship with the security of God's faithfulness, the warmth of God's embracing arms with his eternal security. The word is central to God's covenant relationship with his people. And the New Testament response to this word is agape, which describes the self-giving love of God for his people and his delight when people show the same love to one another. As the writer of 1 John 4, 7 writes, Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. This is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. So Naomi, even at this time of great distress and fear, decides to send the the people that could comfort her and support her, daughters-in-law, she sends them back. She says, no, go home where it's safe and secure. Don't come with me on this difficult journey. Naomi has lost everything, yet not her faith in the love of God. She's a stronger woman than me. So do you remember the first time you heard something about Jesus? Or maybe you found out you had friends that were Christians, you met some Christians. Or maybe you grew up in a Christian family. Do you remember the first time when you thought, I have my own faith? What was it that made you think, yes, I want to get to know this God better? Or are you still wondering whether you can make that leap perhaps? The reason I ask this is because the Book of Ruth is based on Ruth, obviously, who is a Moabite, as we have seen. And from the point of view of the story, she's she's a foreigner. You know, if you're in Israel, she'll be classed as an immigrant, with different beliefs, different faith. And she was brought up in the traditions of worshiping the pagan god Chemosh, um, and the name apparently means destroyer or subduer. This is a kind of quite a brutal deity, I think. And um, there's also evidence that there was uh, human sacrifice as part of that, that belief system. So Ruth knew very little about the God of Israelite, but it's through her encounter with Naomi and Elimenek and their family that she starts to learn about this God of Israel, this God of love, this God of compassion. And it must have been life-changing for her, that she's. She's ready to forget her pagan lifestyle and her traditions. She's ready to give up a safe life, to venture into the unknown there on a dangerous journey. And she's, she's willing to go to Bethlehem, and that's a place where Moabites, as I said, would really be classed as immigrants. They were, they were slightly feared and uh, may not be welcomed. And she was willing to travel alongside an older woman through this potentially dangerous territory, Across the Jordan, uh, the Jordan River, this was no stroll to the shops. Naomi's life of witness to Ruth must have been so powerful that she was willing to give all this up. So Ruth, perhaps through Naomi, has learned something of the steadfast or everlasting love of God for us, and is determined to stay by Naomi, come what may. Her sense of unwavering steadfastness to serve Naomi and the God of Israel seems to overrule any thought of security, comfort, and safety. Ruth replies to Naomi, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. Meanwhile, Ruth's sister-in-law makes a seemingly wise decision just to go and stay with her Moabite parents. So Ruth and Naomi carry on on their journey. They journey through the valley, literally through the valley in the shadow of death, in the shadow of the deaths of their husbands and sons. And whether intentionally or not, it seems the writer of Ruth has made a connection with Psalm 23 verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You know, there's been times when I've felt stuck in that valley, when I felt momentarily alone. But the thing I found since becoming a Christian is that I've been given this amazing gift of being able to cry out to Jesus that I'm not alone. And he will provide comfort and strength. And it's often, you know, through the words and the prayers of those around me, gathering around me, that I feel the presence of Jesus. Now, I don't know if anyone here is a Liverpool supporter. Oh, you can put your hands up. I think it's safe. I think it's safe. Good, good, good. So, if I started singing, When you walk through the storm, hold your head up high. Yeah. Um, and, of course, it culminates in you'll never walk alone. And I remember—I'm old enough to remember uh, this—the musical it comes from, Carousel, um, being on TV. I remember I grew up with this. I grew up on a diet of musicals, and um, it's amazing that this old-fashioned song has been adopted by Liverpool fans. And I think it's not only Liverpool fans. I think Celtic—I think also sing it. Yeah, there's a nod. Um, And it tells us perhaps one of the universe things we universally dread. Is the thought of suffering completely alone. So, in our recent sermon series talking about the Spirit of Christ, we learned that we can always be in relationship with Christ through His Spirit. As someone writes, it's a glorious gospel fact that the Christian is never without company, even when alone. Emmanuel is with us through the indwelling Spirit, and therefore we are not alone. But I digress. I left Ruth and Naomi alone in the valley. But they do arrive safely at Bethlehem. And there all the women gather around and go, Crikey, is this, is this Naomi? Really? And Naomi responds by saying, Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life bitter. Now, I'm going back. We're having another Hebrew lesson now. Okay? Um, you can't understand this line without knowing that Naomi means pleasant one, and Mara means bitter. So to some extent, it feels at this point that Naomi has stayed in the valley. She has her comforter, Ruth, by her side. And of course, she is grieving, heavily grieving at what's happened to her, knowing also that she's got to beg for people to support her. It it was a horrible place. And in spite of her blaming God for everything that's befallen her, she still believes that it is God that's brought her back to Bethlehem. She says, the Lord has brought me back empty. But where has he brought her? He's brought her to Bethlehem, the house of bread. Her enduring faith has brought her back through the wilderness, back home. And of course, she's not alone. Ruth is still faithfully at her side. Possibly I need to do a Ruth part two sermon to cover the next part of the story, as there's so much of importance in the next few chapters. But for today, I will tell the rest of the story in brief, as it has an extremely important endpoint. So there were laws associated with Israel at that time, um, which were there to provide for everybody. So um, as it was harvest time, you'd have men going through the field with their sides, cutting down the grain, and then people following behind, gathering it up. And one of the laws was don't gather up everything into these bundles to be sold, but actually leave some of the grain lying around so that anyone who is um, struggling with poverty, anyone who doesn't have enough to eat can gather that grain and have something. It's a bit like a, you know, an ancient food bank, I guess. So Naomi decides to go and try this gleaning out, trying to gather bits. So again, she's an immigrant. She's not sure how she's going to be welcomed. And then she's spotted by Boaz, who turns out to be a relative of their clan, the Eliminate clan, think Scottish clans, you know, they had big families. there. And we hear that he's a man of good standing in the community, though he remains unmarried. So as I said, this next section is complicated and full of meaning and really requires a separate sermon, but the key is that through Ruth and Naomi's faith, through this complex legal system, and through what feels a bit like a love story between an, an older man who's not sure whether this young woman's going to be attracted to him and a young woman who thinks, well, you know, I'm, I'm a foreigner. He, he's, he's a noble person of the locality. He's not going to want to know me. But they, they do end up getting together. Something amazing happens. God has touched the lives of Ruth, of Naomi, and Boaz. And through their faith, as each looks to God, they have followed his calling. And the story ends with a marriage and the birth of a baby. Ah. So the baby boy is named Obed. And the women say to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. The writer at this point knows that Obed is is the father of Jesse, who is the father of King David. What he doesn't know at this point is if you follow the genealogy further, that the true, rege- the true redeemer, Jesus Christ himself, who becomes famous throughout the earth, is the descendant of Naomi through Ruth and Boaz. So we may be in different places today. We may be a bit like Ruth, maybe. Our faith is new. It's, it's bubbling. We've seen how amazing God's gift of love can be in this broken world or we may feel a little bit more like Naomi that actually life is quite an intense struggle at the moment and you want to cry out to God but again like Naomi you're not alone others through Christ's Holy Spirit can walk alongside you we are never alone but accompanied daily by God's everlasting love and security Neither Ruth nor Naomi lose faith, even though Naomi may be clinging on by her fingernails to that faith at times. But God provides in ways that we may not see straight away. Let us be inspired by these sheroes of faith, these women that point out God's loving action in the world. Remember that word hesed? How can you and I reflect God's hesed in this world today? His steadfast love and faithfulness. In this chaotic world, sometimes it feels a bit chaotic, this world around us. Can our faithful lives be like those of Ruth and Naomi, pointing, pointing others to God's love and powerfully demonstrating God's love in this world? Who knows what others may see through your words and actions just this week? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we have seen through Ruth and Naomi how ordinary people can become extraordinary through knowing you. As we look to you, as we let a bit more of you into our lives, strengthen us through whatever we are facing to live lives that reflect you, that reflect your steadfast love and faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen.